What's happening there, my handsome little ghost out squeezer? Hello, my little uh, skele skeleton. <laughs> oh boy, <clears throat> um, that was our my bad cue. You heard our old theme music start there for a second, because I still haven't taken the time the the three minutes it would take me to launch Adobe Premiere, cut the two together, and re-export it as one clip. That is a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's uh, the live aspect of the show. You know, once you start doing everything, you know, in advance, it just yeah, right. The thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. Gone. Um, how has your week been? Uh, good. I think uneventful. Yeah, I was I in. I was I, in Chicago. I, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You were. It was lonely then. In that case, it was lonely. Well, I wasn't in Chicago the whole week. Uh, I was over the weekend for uh, Chantress running the Chicago Marathon. I was eating the Chicago Foodathon. Uh, I'm so jealous. Um, we had. How are those pants fitting? I gave you. <laughs> I actually. I know. I know they might be just a little below the knee, but the waist should fit by now. I. Um... <laughs> I actually lost weight. Go. You know what? Get just. Go. Um, I don't. It's a family show. Go fuck yourself. I walked about thirty miles over the four days I was gone. So that's why I don't use a drive-through. It adds up. <laughs> uh, Doesn't we, seem to be working. We went the first night. We ate because we got in. Um, you know, we took off at like four, and we landed. Uh, six-ish I, I guess and um yeah because it's so you, it's like what an hour and a half it's but an it's hour an half hour flight. so do you travel back in time yeah so it's an hour and a half flight but you gain an hour but with taxing and everything it's about two hours but it's only okay. like an hour going out there it's three hours coming back <clears throat> so we got there pretty quick but then the traffic from o'hara to center city proper takes for fucking ever if you thought 76 was bad for you people who live in chicago who have to commute on that i think it was 90 holy fuck <laughs> so we got there and uh her dad her mom was already out there her mom drove because she doesn't like flying and she's family in ohio so um her mom picked us up from the airport and was driving us out to chicago we got to the hotel. So we were staying in the Chicago Hilton Squeezer, which is like a historic uh, hotel. And um, uh, hold on. There was movie shot filmed in Chicago Hilton. They had a whole <clears throat> um, like display in the Hilton of movies filmed in the Chicago Hilton. It, it started as the Stevens Hotel, built in 1927, and uh, it turned 
to the Conrad Hilton after uh, World War II. Uh, he bought it in 1945 <clears throat> and then um, changed the name to Chicago Hilton and Towers. And now it's just the Hilton Chicago in 1998. And uh, it was in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Apparently they filmed that fucking thing in Chicago. Really? Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, it was, I don't know, hold on, what's it, The Hotel? Uh, production. Uh, yeah, it's probably a hell of a lot cheaper and easier to do it there than in New York. Yeah, so they filmed the whole thing basically where I was. It was in uh, Winnetka, Illinois, O'Hare International Airport, Evanston, Illinois, and uh, New York City. And, um... Holy mackerel, $28 million. He was paid $4.5 million to be in this movie. Macaulay? Yeah. Damn. I, 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 now I want to know if that was the hotel. What? Hotel. Right, you're scooping. Yep. <laughs> we got to record that. Did they film Home Alone 2 in... So, yeah, it was the Plaza Hotel. You can Google along, folks. Right. Now, see, I don't understand, Squeezer. Why did it tell me that it was... Oh, yeah, okay, here it is. Here it is. Oh, because it's Wikipedia and you can put down whatever the hell you want? No, no, it's not well, true. So, here it is. The luxury suite in which the family reunited at the end of the film mm-hmm. is the Conrad Hilton suite. That's it. Suite. Luxury suite. I'm an idiot. Of the Chicago Hilton and... Uh, and Towers on 720 Michigan Avenue in the South Loop, which is also hmm. featured in The Fugitive and My Best Friend's Wedding. I've seen all of those films. Right. Hmm. But the hotel... Unfortunately. Right. The hotel itself was the plaza. I guess maybe is they had an idea for a room that they wanted and there's no room of that size in New York. Right. Period. Right. So they did the... The yeah. Conrad Hilton's sweet. That's suit. Sweet. In um in Chicago. You know, because it's closest to Shermer, Illinois. The the house that um, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. The house Yeah, so why were why were they staying in a hotel if they're so close to home? <laughs> so the house that uh uh family lives in is in Win- Win- Winnetka. W-I-N-N-E-T-K-A. How would you say that? Winnetka. Uh, I-, I like how they kind of like, try to pay homage like, we took your land and murdered you, but we'll name the place <laughs> after you. Blackhawks. Uh, and Fucking Blackhawks. O'Hare International Airport are both in both movies. But the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue. Even which... Scranton? What's that? Scr- when they're in Scranton. What about Scranton? In the first one. They're in Scranton? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to Scranton, yeah. Pennsylvania. Even, uh, well, her, uh, mom's there. I don't, But I don't, think, I don't like, think the airport in Scranton actually has like a window that big. Oh, is she... Or- is she in the Scranton? I don't remember. I thought she was. Remember, she was no, no, going when she, when Scranton. She asked, like, where is she? He's like, Scranton. Oh, remember? right, right, right. And that's where she picked when up. When she was trying to get home. Yeah, there's no airport like that in Scranton. 
No, it's like a tiny airstrip. Yeah. Uh, that's when she picks up the ride from the polka band, John Candy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they would be, and a polka band would be there. That makes that actually makes total sense, yeah. and especially, and they would be driving in the back of a U-Haul. Yes. Or I think it was a Penske truck. Am I right? Yeah, uh, you probably are right. But I think um, it was a Penske. They probably around that time of the year just played some Christmas festival in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yep. <laughs> Our hometown. You can't get away from the German Pennsylvania Dutch culture. Now you're saying Pennsylvania Dutch. That's not German. That's from Amsterdam. No, the Deutsch. They just confused them here, and they're idiots, so they call them the Pennsylvania Dutch. Yep, pretty much. So, uh, anyway, I was in Chicago, and we ate at uh, some Irish bar in the Chicago Hilton the first night because it was late. Uh, Taking in some heritage, eh? Yeah, yeah, I had the the baked potato soup. (laughs) (laughs) Did you really? Yeah, it was delicious, though. I bet it was. And then the next night was my the big night where they're like, all right, Ryan wants to get um, deep dish pizza. But first, we saw Hamilton, the musical. Now, listen, it wasn't bad. It was interesting. Uh, I know my rap as um, not trusting the police and uh, getting respect. This was rapping about uh, American history, the story. Of- did, it, did it feel like a, like a video you would have watched in social studies? It felt like, and I, and I'm not disparaging it anyway. This is the highest compliment you could pay a musical. It felt like a real life production of a a musical that would have been on the Sim, featured on The Simpsons in a clip. <laughs> Planet of the Apes the musical. He could dance. He could talk. He could. I can sing. <laughs> And Why the, hasn't that happened yet? And and then yeah, then also the Betty Ford musical. I'm checking in. He's checking. He's in. checking in. Uh, but yeah, that's how it felt. That, that's a again highest compliment I could pay it. Uh, but then we went to Gio, Giordano's uh, deep dish pies, and yes. uh, we got a pie with uh, pepperoni and meatballs in it, and it was delicious. Um. After eating my like starter appetizer Caesar salad, I can only eat one piece of the pie. <laughs> and you only had one pie. I we had well no between the table. There was three, so uh, her parents ordered a medium pie. Uh, mm-hmm. Their friends ordered a medium pie, and uh, and changes and I ordered a small pie, and we each only ate one piece of the pie. And this is you know I hate when people call like a regular pizza a pie because it's not it's pizza. This was mm-hmm. a fucking pie. This was a casserole. <laughs> Deep dish pizza. It was fucking delicious. It oh, was it sounds wonderful. so good. It was so good. I had an 18 ounce burrito today, if that makes you feel any better. That's yeah, all right. So cheesy. Yeah. And then um, the next day, she ran the marathon. So, uh, and it was freezing. It was like, there's, there's no denying Chicago is the windy fucking city. Holy. Shit, if you thought it was windy here today, that was like a mm-hmm. slow wind in Chicago. Damn. It is windy. So after the marathon, uh, it, it ends in the Millennium Millennial Park or whatever the hell it is. You know, the park with the fountain for married with children. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the bean. And everyone takes pictures on. Mm-hmm. 
So that's right across from the hotel. So basically, we're kind of we walked back, and we didn't want, did not want to go back outside. So we went back to that Irish bar, and then, you know, we just went. There's like three, four bars in the hotel. We just bounced around, went to bed because 26 miles, and watching her run 26 miles, we were both exhausted. That's got to be exhausting. Just. Um, and then uh, we went to sleep, and then the next day we woke up. And we went, um, we woke up, we saw the bean, took some pictures, and we, we walked over the bridge designed by that guy who did that, uh, uh, all the, you know, the, the prison in Simpsons, Frank Geary. If you Google, you'll know exactly what Simpsons, Simpsons had their prison designed by him. Googling with the Frank What is it? Frank Geary. Frank, Frank Gore? No. Oh, he's Canadian. Hmm. Yeah, he's from Toronto, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that now. But you, you know the style. Oh, yeah. It was like weird and shit. Remember when, uh, what's his name? Snake uh, escaped from the prison. He slid down the thing. Oh, okay. I remember that. Now. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a whole like a grand lawn and concert hall and this bridge designed by this guy. So we walked over there and then we went to the... Uh, Nike and the Under Armour stores, there's like finisher gear there. Nike Nike has a big presence in Chicago because of a certain Mr. Michael Jordan. <laughs> he had a little thing to do there. Uh, we walked past Michael Jordan's Steakhouse. It's right by the Apple store. Is it, is it actually his? Yeah. The restaurant's run by the Glazier family. A couple who owns multiple food establishments. Flute establishments? Flute establishments. Flute? Flute. The restaurant has no food. The restaurant has no sports memorabilia, but instead focuses on Michael Jordan, the businessman. Oh, sign me up. Oh, God. Um, there's one in Grand Central Terminal in New York. Oh, they closed that down. There's one, again, the Magnificent Mile, uh, which is when we passed, which was Michigan Avenue. Uh, there's one in the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, and there's one in uh, the Ilani Casino Resort in Richfield, Washington. That that's like if they had like Planet Hollywood came back and it was just just budgets. Like this is how a movie is made, and it, it's just it, it, <laughs> I it's, would be it's actually uh, Planet Hollywood just with I'd really ads just uh uh sign in sheets and like union logs. I would be really into that. I know. So I guess the the people who own it own the but Michael- sometimes you just want to eat. You know, have a cheeseburger with a xenomorph hanging over your head too. You know, or like uh, Schwarzenegger's leather jacket. Yes. So uh, it's the Cornerstone Restaurant Group, and they have Michael Jordan's Steakhouse, uh, the Michael Jordan Twenty Three Sports Cafe, Sol Toro Tequila Guac and Tacos, MJ Michael Jordan's Restaurants, Urban Belly from Chef Kim Bell's, Eno We've Got a Crush on Wine, and the Table at Crate. So you went to all those places? No, I'm just telling you what they own. So uh, the menu oh. at Michael Jordan's Steakhouse. Oh, you could get um, garlic bread with with Wisconsin Roth K's blue cheese fondue. That actually sounds delicious. That does sound amazing. And and Wagyu meatballs, roasted pork and short ribs, Sunday gravy, whipped ricotta, grilled ciabatta. Oh man, we should ate there. Fuck, I tried to yeah. eat all the good food in Chicago. I only had a certain amount of time. So, yeah, you the sides, mashed potato trio, which is brown sugar, sweet potatoes, smoked onion and gruyere, bacon, horseradish. 
That's see. great and all. It's just, just give me some goddamn mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, hand-cut fries cooked in beef fat, so. Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Right. Uh, bacon, mac, and cheese. Crisp bacon, grandma. Why do we do this to ourselves? It's quarter after 12 Sharp at night, cheddar. and we're talking about and, and deep-frying french fries and, uh. and a cow's ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> And that's... We're liquefi- we're gonna liquefy your ass and then fry potatoes in it. Quite, if you told someone that, quite frankly, Squeezer, that's the only way to eat French fries. No, that's the way it should all be done. It's like, oh hey, at least don't worry about a peanut allergy. We just melted this cow down, and we are going to fry the potatoes right. in this melted cow. Well, for all those people complaining about peanut allergies and peanut oil, uh, we're saving you by using a cow's <laughs> ass instead. Yes. So um, we didn't eat at Michael Jordan's, but we went down to, uh, you know, get the finisher stuff. And then we went to my next stop, Portillo's. Yes. Uh, hot dog. So we could have got the Chicago dog, but I had my eye on the Italian beef sandwich. Uh, and good God, did it not disappoint. It was yeah. delicious. I was confused when you texted me that. That's why I apologize for the confusion. No, it's all right. Like, you told me that you got you know um that what you got and then i asked you how the hot dogs were it's like oh no we didn't get that and i just didn't comprehend yeah it was i thought you got that on top of the hot dogs no it's portillo's hot dogs but it's the italian beef sandwich it's the uh italian beef slow roasted uh for four hours thinly sliced served on a fresh baked toronto french bread and um they uh, have this gravy that they they dip the whole sandwich in, mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's how we got it, and it's fucking awesome. You, uh, but you still haven't explained why we didn't get the hot dog. Well, I mean, we couldn't finish the steak sandwich, the, the beef sandwiches. So, so you understand my confusion. Um. Yeah, I do. I do. And uh, it's you. It's topped with typically sweet peppers and jardinera, mm. uh, mixed jardinera, Italian spicy jardinera. Um, it is fucking delicious. delicious. So I highly recommend Portillo's if you're in Chicago. And I know people are gonna say there's a place called Luminaldi's. That they said I should have went for pizza, but I guess it's kind of like here in Philly area where it's Geno's and Pat's. You know, I like Geno's. Some people like Pat's. I like Campos. Yeah, yeah. There you go. See, just because they're in um, Campos is in uh, Citizens Bank Park, right? I never ate at that one. Yeah, but it's there. I did. It's good. I I, I like I like the one down in the old city there. That's the way to go. All right. Because you can go, you can go get a cheesesteak, and you can go look at some old shit. Yeah. A bunch you, of old bricks in the road. And then you can go to Max Tavern owned by uh, Rob McAnally of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I've been there. I've been there many times. Yeah. Yeah. We always, usually, we stay in that area, like because Dave and Buster's is right there, and you could have business meetings and get steaks, chug wine. I liked eulogies, but I think that's gone now. Also, barcades up there in Fishtown. Like, if you're in Old City, you're not far from Fishtown. And Fishtown's like the new happening place in Philly for all you coming to Philly. There's a barcade, retro yeah, I'm arcade. I'm not happening, though, so. There's a uh, Fillmore concert hall. 
It's a comedy club. There's one of those bowling places, uh, Revolutions, I think. And then there's Dave and Buster's right there on the water. What else can you want? Then you could walk down. It's about a 20-minute walk down to Old City and see some old shit, some old roads that you don't want to drive on. No. Back, uh, back from when they tried to hide the Liberty Bell. They're still the same roads. Uh, but uh, we're, we've been talking Halloween episodes. We got some good feedback last week. Apparently, I was so like tired and blacked out, I don't remember my impression uh, parade that I did. But apparently, it was well-received. Do you remember it? I don't. I mean, I, I think so. I kind of mm. do. Yeah, I guess I was just... You but they all just start running. I immediately started working on... Uh, Next week's episode? On this one right away. I was trying to... Like, we talked like we are going to... Like, we are going to work ahead and plan. And right. We saw how so you started last, this one. How long that lasted. Yeah, why am I... Last one. So, um, you uh, apparently thought my Obama sounded better with my cold last week. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I recall that now. And we got a request. Uh, it was... James Z. Cornette singing Monster Mash, and I'm going to try and do my best with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ready for it? I, I, do, you, do you need a beat? Uh, should I get the music up? I think you have to. Otherwise, it just sounds weird. It's a Halloween show. Yeah, let's see if I can find it. Mash music. Uh, Alright, well, here's the music. I'll try and because uh, I like we're pulling up the music and it's just I know exactly what you're gonna say so. <laughs> what is this? Delete a point. Get shit. Gotta hit the po- hit the fucking post, motherfucker. He's a fucking deal. He always hits the fucking post. Uh, when my eyes beheld a fucking sight, motherfucker. Double cheese, double motherfucking onion, motherfucking monster mash. That wasn't my best, Jim Cornette. That, that's, I think that needed the music. I think it made it. It was the mash. It was a graveyard smash. It's like my fucking pet rat. He's dead. Mashed him. Motherfucker. Double cheese. My impression of Jim Cornette is just Bruce Pritchard's impression. I mean, <laughs> You're doing an impression of an impression. impression of Bruce Pritchard's impression. Well, that's what most impressions end up being anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole slew of people at work who do impressions of my impressions of other people we work with. Like the hit from Jake. Hit. <laughs> <laughs> like that was just me making fun of Jake. And it's just, it's what everyone, anyone goes hit and pulls and you their gotta, shirt. You, you got to do the shirt pull while you do it. The fat guy shirt pull. Yeah, I did it. I, every single time I did, I went hit and pulled my shirt. So I can't do it without pulling the shirt. Ex- explain the fat guy shirt pull for our audience. Uh, it's what you do when uh, you're uncomfortable with the size of your chest. Um, <laughs> when if you were, let's just say, if you were a young lady, you would flaunt that. When you're not a young lady, you try to not flaunt that. So the trick is to kind of just tug a little bit and any type of material that would be behind you you're better off letting the back boobs show than the front boobs because you don't see the ones on your back <coughs> i just spit beer all over the mic <coughs> oh that's not good for it uh, <laughs> uh i don't think you're chesty at all that's because i'm very good at the shirt pull <laughs> 
It's a new thing you guys learned if you didn't know it. Judging... I'm sure most of you do. <laughs> you crack me up, Squeezer. Uh, I went first last week, so I believe it's your turn. Oh, cool. Uh, do you have any setup? Or... Oh. Uh, yeah, this comes from a show that we've... Never talked about. Um, we've talked about before. There was I had a very, very long list of potential shows for this one. Uh, there was even an additional three more MacGyvers <laughs> that could be covered in a Halloween show. Did you know it was three years? It was two years ago. Because the first time we did uh, Halloween TV specials, uh, Halloween TV specials one, that's, by the way, that's this episode, uh, was in 2017. Uh, so it's been two years. And it was two years ago that I um, basically broke down MacGyver's Hollywood, or, um, Halloween nights uh, shot by shot. Uh, frame by frame, yes. Frame by frame. Yeah. Uh, I will not be doing that this time. I will save the next MacGyver for next time around, or when we do the MacGyver episode, maybe. Um, yeah, who knows how deep the well goes. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, eventually we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, but in this case, this is another <coughs> show um, that I'm sure I've talked ad nauseum, and I'll break this one down for you. Pretty much all, all your picks are Squeezer's greatest hits for shows. Tell what you liked. Here's your first pick. Yeah. Okay. How about if we make it a scary story? Yeah, scary story. Okay. This is a totally true story that happened on an autumn night just like this one. Uh -huh. There was a full moon in the sky and a cold wind in the air. I was walking this girl home from a date. <laughs> It's really nice of you to walk me home, but why do we have to take a shortcut through a graveyard? Don't you think it's kind of romantic? Romantic? Hey! Ah! <laughs> yeah, you nuts at the graveyard! Oh, yeah, but don't you think it's got a kind of mood? <laughs> yeah, a real creepy mood. Aww. And isn't this the graveyard where those kids got attacked by a rabid caveman? Oh, that story? Yeah. Th that would never fly in the Me Too era. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. Uh, it was so. There were a couple things in a number of the shows that I picked, and particularly my last one, um, which when we get there, that it's amazing that that even oh, yeah. flew, and that the executives even had their own ideas. Well, the creator of that um, show himself has been hit by the Me Too movement. Yeah. Well, um, uh, this is uh, dinosaurs. Little Boy Boo. It was uh, the Halloween special from Season 3, Episode 5 that aired on October 30th, 1992. And it's one of those Halloween episodes that actually aired around <coughs> Halloween, as opposed to so many I came across that aired in either like November or March. Uh, thank you very much, Fraggle Rock, for excluding yourself from this list. All their Halloween episodes aired in like March. I'm like, I can't. I just. There's, uh, there's some rules I have to abide by. All right. Um, it's a parody of the 1941, um, uh, Wolfman, uh, and it, it starts with, um, <coughs> Robbie decides to stay home and babysit, uh, baby, so he doesn't have to go and watch Charlene in the school play, and, uh, baby immediately, uh, tries to take advantage of the situation, he's going, he breaks the jar of cookies, is gonna eat the cookie, after a standoff, which is hilarious in itself, he eats the cookie and then pretends to choke to death. Uh, and then 
eventually shows that it was a prank. So in turn, he asks for a story, and Robbie tells him, this is where we lead off with the clip, a scary story, which leads to the Wolfman. Now, the great the little twist with dinosaur is, dinosaurs is it's not the Wolfman. It's the uh, uh, the Wereman. Yeah. Well, so what happens is in the graveyard, he gets bitten by a rabid werewolf. Uh, or not, Jesus, rabid werewolf, because I'm looking at a clip and it, he looks like a werewolf. Um, he gets bit by a rabid caveman who was played by Bill Beretta, who was the puppeteer for Earl. So if you want to know what Earl looks like at a costume, watch this episode. And the rabid caveman that bites Robbie, that's Bill Beretta. And then uh, Robbie gets bit, and we go through the whole sequence of him turning into the were man yeah. instead of a werewolf because he turns from dinosaur to man because it's you know it's the little dinosaur twist and that's played by kirk thatcher the writer of the episode long time uh jim henson uh uh what's the word you're looking for when they work together collaborator collaborator thank you you're welcome and all-around creator and designer of uh much of this series uh so you know he got a little cameo in there as well uh, it, it's a it's a fun episode, and then uh, it's also uh, one of those shows where it kind of twists the world a, a little bit. Which that that's it's kind of like my favorite thing about Halloween episodes. So there's a fortune teller in it that Story Robbie, who got bit, goes to, and it's Grandma Ethel. And it's one of those things that I like about the Halloween shows, and it's what Simpsons Treehouse of Horror does so well. Right. Uh, is take existing characters and just kind of switch their roles, flip the world, and just... Make them more macabre. Yeah, and and, and just create a whole different scenario outside of... It, it's basically a sandbox episode. It allows you to just play with the characters in a completely different way. Uh, and it's one of those little things that I, I love, and it almost pays homage to itself in doing the own episode own episode they they could have just gotten a generic old dinosaur to be the fortune teller but why do that if you're telling the story have ethel do it yeah um for sure then we then we leave the story and he, he tags it telling baby that there was a second way to cure it and that's to eat baby's toes baby gets scared crawls up a stalactite right tight as ceiling might is floor uh, ye, uh let me consult my uh Googling with the Rogers podcast. No, I was going to consult my Encyclopedia Britannica's. Oh. Anywho, so Baby climbs up there, and Robbie has to talk him down. Uh, and then Robbie promises and he'll get him more cookies, and he'll get him more candy. And it, Baby says, what if you don't have any? And he goes, well, then I will go door to door to get you candy. Ah, oh, that's in, how in, trick-or-treating starts, yes. huh? In the dinosaur way, they always kind of, uh, and they, it's so in your face at the end. It's, it's really funny. Um, cause they knock on the door and it's like, uh, can we have some candy? Uh, can we have a treat? And then the guy's like, is this a trick? And he's like, you show up to my house on October 31st, just asking for candy. And they're like, oh, maybe we should have worn costumes. And it's just so just clearly obvious uh, that in that in itself is just funny that just the blatantness of it. Right. Um, 
but yeah, in, in that dinosaur world of them inventing something or doing something that, uh, you know, is common in our day and age that they're just not quite aware of. Right. Very, very much in, in the, uh, uh, theme of, of the series itself. Hmm. It's an awesome episode. It's a good episode. Uh, yeah, I should check. I haven't seen, I haven't watched Dinosaurs episodes in years. I watch a lot for this show, because I, it's one of those wormhole shows, for some reason it comes up and I just get sucked down, and I end up watching whole episodes. Uh, this episode did end a little early, uh, <coughs> so to make up for the time, they tacked on the, uh, I'm the baby, you gotta love me music video, so. <laughs> Man, so this is a win-win. Oh, yeah. You get, like, two shows in one. Uh, good first pick. Uh, you ready for my first pick? Ew, gross. Oh, Kelly, now where's your Halloween spirit, hon? I got this case of cobweb spray at the cost club and a mechanical spider in the... Hey, check us out. Hey, how do you like our costumes? Costumes are for kids. Like, what is Bobby supposed to be anyway? A dork. Oh, now, Derek Jenneric, you march right back in there and put Bobby in a decent costume. I mean it. Like, wow, come on, Bobby. I just, like, thought of this totally proper costume for you. I don't want to be a princess. Oh, now, honey, oh, for the love of Mike, you look wonderful. Like the most powerful princess in the world, don't you know? <laughs> So, as you can tell... I'm this, so glad you picked this. This is a... Uh, did you know I was picking this? No. No, we didn't go... We didn't... Uh, did we share? Uh, you shared, but I had to finish today. Uh, picking my, my... Doing my pick, so... Um, so, uh, it's Bobby's World. Uh, this show is great. This is from the first season. It was one of the first ones, and it, uh, it aired after uh halloween like almost thanksgiving <laughs> originally but those shows wound up in syndication and then during halloween later years it playing kids don't know the fucking difference no so uh it's better to get the show out there and then have it as a halloween mainstay um obviously you heard uh bobby's ma'am with that man i saw the accent don't you know and bobby's sister who talks like a valley girl and uh, Derek, his brother, who just calls him a dork and a dweeb all the time. Uh, you know, he... Uh, and then you go into Bobby's imagination because he doesn't want to be a princess. And he winds up being a uh, an apple. Like a cord apple. Yeah. Is it... It might be, like, the most adorable, like, image ever. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a pump... It's a jack-o'-lantern. Is it... Yeah, it's, it's a, a jack-o'-lantern? Jack yeah. yeah it's, and he's, yeah, it is it's adorable. adorable. And then Uncle Ted comes over and saves the day. And he's dressed as Elvis, and um, he wants to go trick-or-treating, Bobby does, but uh, he's too little, Babby. You can't go out trick-or-treating because his sister won't take him, and his mom won't, or his brother won't take him. They're going out. So Uncle Ted, who's always Bobby's savior and his favorite person, attempts to turn Bobby's house into a Halloween house of horror. Uh, the trick-or-treaters have to pay money to Ted and give candy to Bobby to go inside the house of horrors, uh, much <laughs> to Derek's uh, dismay. 
Uh, but they go up in the attic and they get all sorts of props and uh, the kids come into the House of Horrors, give Bobby the candy that he's looking for. Um, there's a lot of Bobby imagination scenes and then they make this like cardboard maze uh, that they keep inviting people to and uh, scaring the shit out of the kids around the house in the different rooms. As the news shows up, it becomes like really popular. Bobby dreams he has like a Tonight Show. Remember the whole set? <laughs> um, and uh, he's tapping uh, his pen like he's smoking a cigar and doing the Johnny Carson faces. And um, the news interview, uh, uh, Uncle Ted and Bobby about the horse of hair, uh, house of hair, a horror. And Bobby's mom and um, Howie, his dad, plays by Howie playing himself, Howie Mandel, voice of Bobby, which is also the voice of Skeeter <clears throat> from uh, Muppet Baby, Babies. I've seen, I've done video support for Bob, for Howie Mandel, and he does the same show every time, and he ends it with doing the voice, Bobby voice, and he's like, it's also the same voice as Skeeter, and he goes, it's kind of the same voice as Gizmo, because he did Gizmo too, and it shows like <laughs> the little differences between them. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a great episode and there's a lot of good Bobby imagination scenes in it. And, um, if you haven't, most Bobby's world episodes are free to watch on YouTube. I was just thinking, maybe I can try to sneak a couple of these in, in between all our princess cartoons. Yeah. She might like it. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I, I loved it as a kid. It was one Any of chance for me to rewatch more Bobby's World? I watched a little bit in prep for this because <laughs> I was going through. It was on. It was on the very long short list. Uh, um. Yeah, that was my. A lot of mine are out. Uh, not out there, but they're they're ones you might know. But like for me, they were like clutch. But I, I know yeah, one. Like, I I just I I remember this episode because I just remember. Bobby dressed up as a pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, and then that's kind of where it ended. I would have to go back and rewatch the whole episode. I was watching uh, while we were crewing. So I mm. had it on the corner of my eye and I just made a note that says Bobby's on an apple. And then I just re- scrolled back and go, nope, that's a jack o' lantern. <laughs> it looks like an apple, though. It does. Uh, yeah, the top definitely looks like an apple. Yeah. It's uh, actually red. So I'm, I, I, I know my next pick probably wasn't on your short list because Scaredy Cat's. Uh, uh, status of squeezer that's true but um the rest might be but let's hear what your sm- your, your my next pick is terrifying oh yeah it really is because i have a little sister same age as yours so i've seen this multiple times yeah that's why it's on my list you're wasting your time half pint it's after midnight it's not working. Even if you knew the incantation, it wouldn't do you any good. It's after midnight. <laughs> oh, never mind, girls. You tried. Trying doesn't bring home the bat wings, does it? Remember my cat? Yes. I've decided to turn each of you into a little mouse and sick my cat on you. Won't that be amusing? <laughs> no. No sense of humor. Thanks for trying to save my life. I love you. I love you too. And you know what? I don't really mind being twins. Me neither. It makes both of us special. And I don't care if people make dumb jokes about us or if mom dresses us alike. I'll always want to be a twin sister no matter what. 
I'll always want to be your twin sister too. Is that Cloris Leachman? That is Cloris Leachman. I thought so. She sounds playing, like. Yep, playing both uh, Great Aunt uh, Agatha and Sophia. It's the same voice the she uses witch. as Malcolm's grandmother in uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She played. She played two roles here, whereas uh, two people played two roles instead of two people playing one role. Um. So this is the Olsen twin vehicle, uh, Double Double Toil and Trouble, a made-for-TV film uh, for ABC <sighs> that aired in uh, on October 30th, 1993, and then October 31st, 1993, November 1st, 2nd, 3rd of 1993, November 4th, 5th, and 6th of 1993, and so on and so on because we recorded it and it was my sister's favorite thing ever. Yep. And it just played on a loop in our house as if we were watching Ron Popeil infomercials at night while I'm trying to fall asleep. Uh, this was this was like at the beginning of the blow up that became the Olsen twin uh, extravaganza. Right, their um, their together movie career. Yeah, so there was only one more uh, before this. Um, Brother for uh, Sale or whatever the fuck it was. My sister used to sing that all the time. Uh, what was the first one that they did? So this was the first movie um, under Dual Star, which was the production company that they came up with. Um, and then from there, it was It Takes Two and all those other movies and then the lines and the... <laughs> the the merchandising and oh yeah stuff. they had like so, the walmart lines right yeah um but this this was the beginning uh of it all and uh it was it's always weird they they have to find a way to somehow kind of so they it comes to their attention that their parents farm and like they're they're gonna lose their home and they're being foreclosed on so they go to their evil aunt for a loan and it turns out their evil aunt is a witch who trapped her sister in a mirror uh, six years and 365 days ago, 64 days ago, like seven hours to spare in a mirror. And then at seven years, like she gets trapped in the mirror forever unless the magical power of twins, because, you know, the Aunt Sophia and, and Agatha are twins, too. So the love of the twins, you know, saves a day. And then the evil witch Sophia gets trapped in the glass. The mirror shatters, she's lost forever, and uh, Aunt Agatha, like, saves their farm. Because there's always a farm to save. I feel like Willie Nelson, like, is a producer in every single one of these things. But, yeah, that's um, that, that's uh, Double Double Toil and Trouble. It's also a play on words, because, you know, with witches and stuff, and it's from Macbeth, for those that didn't pay attention in English class. Mm-hmm. Um, are you allowed to say the? You should have said the play was named "We Cannot Be Spoken." <clears throat> oh, it's oh, a, it's bad luck to say the the word. We just cursed the episode, so thanks for that, Squeezer. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, look, I, I I saw it probably more than I should have. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, it's definitely a made-for-TV movie. 
aimed and targeted at young girls that love the Olsen twins. And it worked out uh, fantastically. Because that's all my sister ever wanted to watch. Mm. Yeah, until until, had the uh, until a year came by, and then she got the VHS <laughs> copy of It Takes Two. Yeah. <laughs> and at least that had Steve Gutenberg and Christy Alley in it. It did, yeah. That was actually a theatrical release. That was. That was their first theatrical film. We we act like we're fucking Olsen twin experts. We're so proud of our knowledge. <laughs> yes, um, that was you know their thirst first. There was theatrical no release. getting away from it. No, your sister is what? 31, 32? Uh, what year is it? 33. What year was she born in? That'd make it easier. 85? Yeah, Lisa was born in 86. So, yeah. They were in the same grade, so, yeah, right? I'm... Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, because they share friends from college. They, were in the, they went to schools uh, uh, opposite areas of... We were in the south area. You guys were more in the central area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. We're we're the mall school. Everyone came to us. Yeah. So, but they they had mutual friends in college and know each other. It's weird what a small world this is. Yeah. Yeah. What we used to we would be we, hanging out at the same Texaco station, not yeah. even know it. <clears throat> not even know it. When we really realized our sisters knew each other, we're like, what? That's so weird. They just always heard you refer to heard me refer to you as squeezer, so I never never dawned on them. Hmm. That's a good point. <clears throat> um All right, well that's a good pick. Uh let's see. My Thanks. next one. Here's a show that was syndicated and um I remember I started watching it after Baywatch, I think. Uh and it was actually not as scary as you might think, and pretty interesting concept, but this was their Halloween episode. There are people who think that Halloween is a kid's game. It isn't. The one thing that'll spoil a party is a visit by a ghost. I command you to be gone! And when the ghost is your dearly departed Uncle Lewis... I've come back to undo the curse. You will find yourself facing deadly traps... <laughs> ...and twisted little demons. I've been waiting for you, Jack. Yes, it's a haunted Halloween on Friday the 13th, the series. Tonight at 11 on WXXA. Friday the 13th, the series. It was a uh, first-run syndication, um, just like like shows like Baywatch and uh, like um, WWF Superstars and all those you know, shows that we mm -hmm. watch on Saturday afternoons would be, and this was like <clears throat> later at night. And I remember like thinking it was like kind of like, oh, Friday the 13th, because I wasn't really allowed to watch those movies unless like my mom was watching it when I was a kid. But like the, sh the show, like no one had any control I probably shouldn't have been watching Baywatch, but I was. Uh, well, it depends what you're doing while you're watching Baywatch. <laughs> it depends on the year. <laughs> really depends on the year. If that makes any sense to all you people out there. I'm not trying to mm -hmm. be exactly on the nose, but you know what I mean. Uh, so, um, Friday the 13th, the series, was a show about two people who would... Um, hunt down uh spooky haunted relics they're like and and they and put them in storage so that they couldn't be used for evil mm -hmm. oh so it's like the ark so that's what that's all the other shit that's in that warehouse yes that bad episode with like the jump the fridge 
right? Yeah. Ugh, the fridge. Um, <laughs> so, they originally wanted to call this show the 13th Hour, but uh, they, they were like, ah, no one's going to know what the hell it is. And uh, they decided to uh, call it Friday the 13th, the series. And it had the same production company, Paramount, and the same uh, producer, Frank uh, Menisco Jr., who uh, decided, why not call it Friday the 13th to deliberately draw in the audience? There Did was... it have anything to do with Friday the 13th? No, or, uh, or Jason. Um, but the show idea was actually pretty good. Uh, there was an antique dealer, like I said, and... Um, uh, he made a deal with the devil to sell cursed antiques out of his shop, which um, I'm pretty sure has been done in... Uh, IRL? What the... F oh, Rick and Morty had a cursed antique shop. Hmm. I wonder if they hmm. joked that there was... And also, so I guess there's a sci-fi show. Uh, and I'm not talking like sci-fi. I'm talking uh, sci, S-Y, F-Y show. Oh, Sifi. Sifi. That was a little too uh, close and on the nose, like ripping off. Like, people are like, you kind of ripped off Friday the 13th, the series. People really like this show. And um, uh, the whole, like, occult. And there was, like, there's, like, not, okay. It's up to debate whether it was true or not. But there was, like, history behind it, you know? Oh, like, behind each episode? Like, they actually based it on... There, there was like some stuff like from Fact. history. Just in another one of my picks, there's the same kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> so in this episode, uh, Ryan and Mickey were recovering an amulet that let dead spirits, uh, like spirits, enter dead bodies. And oh, okay, um, uh, some like old uncle came back from the dead to uh, haunt and try and, and, and enter a body and they had to recover the amulet and destroy it so that it couldn't or like put it in the storage so that it couldn't be used for spirits to enter dead bodies now this show went on for God, I don't know how many seasons let me see I could probably find that out. three seasons but there was a rumor at the end of it they were going to tie it in and I don't know if this is true or not but they, they said they were going to tie it in with um, the movie because the last episode they were going to find Jason Voorhees' mask. Oh, that'd be cool. Right, and then that was going to get away from them, and that was going to lead to the next Jason movie. But I guess the show... And that would justify calling it that after yeah. all these years. Right. Uh, but I, I did, when I would catch the show, I did like it a lot. Um, it wasn't as scary as you might have thought a Friday the 13th show would be, but it was... I would have passed just on the name alone. Yeah, it was very supernatural and fun. See, now I would actually try to give that a shot because I like the idea of, you know, that kind of, you know, like a supernatural fun show I'm all for now. Not that I'm not a, you know. Right. I think you like it. Scaredy yeah. cat. Yeah. So Friday the have 13th. Have you seen one lately? I have not. I didn't get it. I couldn't find this to rewatch it. Mm. Halloween and I think it's called Halloween and Halloweener. But just in general, like the series, is it out there? Is it available or? They just on YouTube and no one cares. Uh, so it was released on DVD. There's some I think on YouTube. Um, I'll okay. try to track. Here it is. There's I would like to see it. Popular rumor that the last episode was to unite the movie and television franchise by having the final item recovered be the hockey mask belonging to Jason Voorhees. Uh, 
there remains unfounded. This remains unfounded why there were talks about having a hockey mask on one of the sets as an end joke. There was never any serious intention to mix film in the television series. Uh, uh, that was before oh, people they oh. decided everyone wanted the universe. Right. The 2009 Seafy series is called Warehouse 13, and it was accused of borrowing too much from Friday the 13th the series. Oh yeah, I remember. It was a that's a British show, I believe. Uh, okay. It starred two agents, um, led by an older wise guy, just like the the show. Collect artifacts, powerful items, uh, which are imbued by human energy and have supernatural powers. Uh, however, they said the artifacts in Warehouse 13 are not evil by nature nor cursed nor do require human sacrifice in order for them to function or can be destroyed. So, that's not fun. If it's streaming, I'd like to watch it. And it's, it, I think there's a few on YouTube. I just couldn't find the one mm -hmm. I was looking for. I'm sorry, it was Canada. What? It was a Canadian production company. Oh, yeah. Was, so was I'm, I'm thinking of something. There's another show I was thinking of that was a British show that's very much along this line that we took and just basically ripped off. Okay, so this episode was called Halloween. Halloween. And it was aired on October 31st, 1987, its first run in syndication. An evil spirit of Uncle Lewis crashes a Halloween party at the shop and seeks to re-enter the living world. So, uh, I think there's 40, 60, 72 episodes total. So, yeah. That's not a bad run for a series like that. No. Friday. And when I say series like that, I mean a kind of spin-off horror. Um, all right. So, here is your next show. What? Slow down. No way. I don't want to be seen with you in that silly outfit. Everything okay, Lois? For the last time, I'm not Lois Lane, I'm Tina Turner. <laughs> Try and remember that, Steve. Superman. No. Soup? No. Man of Steel. Stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> well, what's the matter, my little top 40 goddess? All right, so when I was thinking about this episode, there is the ones that come to mind where I kind of have to refresh myself, and then there are ones like, oh, I remember the episode of Family Matters when Urkel and Laura went to the bank, and they were in their Halloween costumes, and then there was a bank robbery, and then their whole thing went down. And I'm going to talk about that in the Halloween episode. Right. And that's how that one came about. Because oh. there are the ones that just stick with you for some reason. That's just, oh, yeah, that episode where Urko was Superman. Um, or uh, Super Steve. Right. Um, and uh, Laura was uh, Tina Turner, who killed it. I mean, it's the perfect Tina Turner outfit. Um and uh, but they had the like gags throughout where people just kept calling her by the wrong name and she would correct them like irritated mm -hmm. like when the bank robber calls her like Aretha Franklin and she's like more irritated that no one because the the joke is that her costume is so good it's clearly Tina Turner right but when everyone calls her the wrong thing and she finds it irritating and Abraham Lincoln's our bank robber 
Uh, fun note of fact. If that is that a phrase, or did I just make that up? Uh, I'll 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 allow it. Thank you. Um, this was the first time. Now, granted, this is season two, episode seven. This is the first time that Urkel sings uh, Camp Town Races with different lyrics. Oh, really? Yep, yep. This is when, uh, when he goes to the bank teller, um, and uh, it, the, it goes to the lines of, it, it's paycheck day, um, cashing time again. Uh, hang on. See, I can't, I can't sing it now. I had it all written out to sing, and now I can't actually do it. <laughs> Camp down and the song do da. It's paycheck day. Um it's cashing time again. Um and watch the moolah grow. Watch the moolah grow. And if there's anything that embodies irritating Urkel more than anything, <laughs> it's this. Um uh it's the best too, because we've talked about this before, how we go to the bank. And like you go to the bank with your parents, and they knew everyone. And you had to stop, and they had to talk. Mm-hmm. Urkel was that guy, <laughs> but where the tellers didn't even want to talk to him. And they had a little gag where they all had their little signs, and he's talking to one teller finally, and she's like, just all she could say is just, "I couldn't find my sign," just to close their little window, because um, Urkel is that irritating. Uh, this is a fun episode. I dare I say bottle episode because most of it does take place in the bank mm. but to be fair it is probably more than another ep- any other episode because most of those episodes are all in the house and in the kitchen yeah right so they actually had two additional sets because they had a bank interior and a bank exterior across the street because eventually carl shows up uh to the scene because there's uh, reports of a disturbance and then the body lands on the hood of his car while he's backing up and then he crashes to a fence all while the robber is firing a machine gun at him, and he's calling for backup. Um, okay, sounds sounds about in line with every Family Matters episode I've ever seen. Oh, sorry, that was different. Um, different Reginald. Lewis, no, it's, it's he's uh, still Carl Winslow. He's still Carl Winslow. Sorry, yeah. that was that was when Carl Lins- Winslow was that was a the cop in L.A. Right, Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, this was like two years, but uh, two years before this went down. Right, before he decided to retire in Chicago with a family. Well, not not settle down as a cop in Chicago. Yeah, nice quiet town. Well, well, then he goes... The best part about this episode is, and why... I mean, Family Matters is... They so were in Chicago, time. right? Sorry to cut you off there, but they were in yes, Chicago. Yes, Family Matters was Chicago. You should have done... Fuck, you should have done a whole Family Matters tour. I know. Wow, fuck. I Even though they the probably... The only shot out of anything that was Chicago was that one, like helicopter shot across the river that they have in the open everything else was on the set right um yeah there weren't a lot of like exterior scenic uh establishing or like walk-in talks with urkel uh walking around the fountain right um so yeah and then uh, steve has uh his moment where uh it's a brilliant little work of editing where you think steve like takes on the bank robber and uses his karate skills and takes him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to reveal that it was just a dream sequence. Um, but then the real hero of the episode shows up and there's a Jamaican pizza delivery guy um, that shows up that looks remarkably like Carl. And he oh, has that's, two pizzas. Come on. 
Uh, you can't say that. That's racist. What? <laughs> that they look alike. Well, it it was Carl. It was him I in know. disguise. <laughs> it was really bad disguise too. It was a very bad yeah. disguise with a very. It, you know what? It's it sucks because you're like whenever you hear someone do a bad accent, you're like, oh, that's racist. Mm-hmm. This, this comes across as like, like, oh, that's racist. Like you just can't look. It's not. No one look. I. You can have a fun and do accents and not be racist. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. No, I know. I know you are, but other people don't. And it's just doing fake accents is fun. And if you're Carl and you're a bad Jamaican, bad accented Jamaican uh, pizza delivery guy with one of your uh, pizzas. Oh, and this was the whole Chekhov's gun thing. Uh, the episode starts with Urkel pulling a prank on Carl, and he has the uh, springy snakes in like a can of uh, peanut brittle. Mm-hmm. Well, Carl puts the springy snakes in the pizza box, so when the when the bank robber, who apparently has such an uh, outrageous appetite, opens up the pizza box, the uh, springy snakes attack him, and then that's when Carl takes him down with Carl's uh, judo skills. I mean, and, uh, if our friend Jake robbed the bank, he, he'd definitely want that pizza. That's a very good point. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just saying. Uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, and then, you know, you have a nice heart-to-heart moment after it's all done because Urkel feels bad that, uh, Carl is the one that saved the day and not him, and then Carl assures Urkel that he, he, he appreciates him being there for his daughter and help, and even trying to attempt to protect him, protect her in some kind of way. And with with music and like a da-da-ding. Oh, that, that slow building warm melody and, and until you get the hug, and then a da 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 da, da and then theme music. Yep. And at some point, does uh, Urkel ruin it by asking for cheese? No, they ended on a sweet one going out. Oh, well, good for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, good episode. Um, some great little stuff. It's just great having Urkel and Laura locked in a, a room together, too. You get some... Uh, uh, occasionally, they uh, jump... Back to home with uh, uh, Harriet and Estelle with their uh, uh, their Halloween costumes, but right. it, it's it's really a, a sub sub story that really has no point in it, other than the fact that you get to see uh, Little Richie dressed up as Raphael. Oh yeah, well that's that's badass. exactly why. Yeah, that was a C. No, that was ABC. Did they move to CBS at this point yet? Uh, it was this was 1990, so. Uh, no, they're still on ABC. No, no, they're still there. Yeah, I was gonna say I think... that would probably only been like what season three or yeah. Three, I'm pretty maybe? sure Turtles debuted Saturday morning on CBS. So, but uh, they were you know so huge it didn't matter. You yeah, promote them without without getting too uh, upset that uh, it was on a competitor Saturday morning. Um, all right. Well, Family Matters, here is my third one. This might be one of the best Halloween television specials ever made. Uh, Choo-choo. Well, no, I didn't make it. Well, I, I love I, I love the sound effects that you're adding to the show, like the the super creepy, creaky haunted house. Yeah, someone uh, wants who, – who asked for WD-40 for my share? Someone did a few episodes I'm really ago. really loud right now. Yeah. All right, well, here's my... We're in a box somewhere, but... Here is my next pick. 
Look at them all. Pumpkin tree. No, a Halloween tree. The pumpkins on the tree were not mere pumpkins. Each had a face sliced in it. Each face was different. Every nose was a weirder nose. Every mouth smiled hideously in some new way. A thousand grimaces and twice times a thousand glares of fresh-cut eyes. Each blink held the remnant holiday spirit of years gone by. So this is the Halloween tree, the 1991 uh, Turner, uh, I think Hanna-Barbera produced animated special based on Ray Bradbury's The Halloween Tree book. Uh, that narrator's voice was Ray Bradbury himself. No shit. Yeah. And um, that old man saying, that's a Halloween tree. That's Leonard Nimoy. Kind of mm. looks like our friend Uncle Bix. Uh, I remember seeing it for the first time, I think on TBS or Cartoon Network, right after Cartoon Network premiered. Uh, and this came out in 93. And um, Ray Bradbury, is, I think, said that it's like his favorite of all uh, the Adapt adaptations. adaptations of his work. Yeah. Hmm. And um, so it also won an Emmy in 1994 for Outstanding Writing in an Animated Program and uh, was nominated for Outstanding Animated Program. Uh, I think it still airs a lot on, on the Cartoon Network. You could rent it on um, like uh amazon or apple movies or youtube uh but uh the halloween tree is about it, the book traces it, it like teaches you the the uh, origins of of uh sam how do you say sam hay you know sam hay and the pumpkin but it's called like sam Juan yeah. or sam yeah, I know. I I just say one. I go Sam Hain just because Ghostbusters kind of programmed me that way. Right. It's 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 Sewan or Sewan. Sewan. Mm -hmm. The Gaelic origins of Halloween and uh like uh All Hallows Eve and Day of the Dead. So there's a, a kid dressed up like a girl dressed up like a witch. There's a kid dressed up like like a hunchback monster. There's a kid dressed up like a mummy and a kid dressed up like uh, a skeleton and they're looking for their friend who they go to his house and he's like their their this kid's like their best friend the leader of the group and the coolest kid in town but he's got appendicitis and then they they're going to see him at the hospital and they see who looks like him but it's his ghost running they go to this house and they see the tree of pumpkins and the kid's trying to get his pumpkin and the, the, this old creep guy offers to take them on a trip and kids i don't know what you're doing um like fuck, do not follow old guys to four thousand years into the past. Don't follow <laughs> them down alleys. Don't follow them anywhere. But literally, do not follow them four thousand years into the past. Um, he they do, and they they wind up in ancient Egypt, um, where they uh, uh, see like the ghosts, like we're in the sea, uh, like like uh, like floating around the streets of ancient Egypt, and the food put out to for the ghosts so that they wouldn't. Uh, come into the home and um, they go into a house and they have a mummy out at the table and they said it's their great grandfather and they pull him out for this festival of the dead that they have uh, the feast of ghosts uh, which apparently I think is a real uh, feast of ancestors 
it's a real celebration that happens um, in the ancient Egyptian culture. And there's other cultures that celebrated this true. Uh, but it's just another way of festival of the dead. Yeah, know, or, they don't or... put this whole negative, terrifying stigma of like the corrupted dead, like we do. No, that, well, ancient cultures didn't. No, they didn't. They, no. they, they, I guess since they died so much, I guess they didn't fear death as much <laughs> as we did. And they, they, well, they were. They thought uh, they were just coming right back. Yeah, they were uneducated and this assumed. God. Them. Damn Puritans. Yeah. So um they their buddy Pip, they follow him to this tomb and there's there's mummies about to mummification and the and the mummy guy the Ralph who's dressed up like a mummy is the one who has to save him from that situation. They and they use the old creep guy uses it as a teaching moment to teach them why they dress up as a mummy. Next they they arrive at Stonehenge in the Dark Ages in England. And they uh, witness uh, rituals carried out by the Celtic, Celtic Druids, um, the, the witches. And uh, they uh, see a field of straw being harvested and made into brooms. And they discover a coven celebrating the new year. And uh, Moundshroud, who's the old man, tells them to take uh, witches, I'm sorry, brooms, and fly. And they encourage the girl, who's just a witch, to to like take it on as her own and fly. And, you know, I guess he kind of teaches, teaches where witches came from. And he says that it, it was, they didn't really understand how, how uh, they didn't have powers, but they were the, always the smartest people in town who had wits. And that's, I guess, where witches came from, ah. the wittiest people. And they, they thought that, that being that smart allowed them to do magic. So they wanted to burn them and kill them. <laughs> They're afraid of... Well, that's the first thing I do when I find someone smarter than me. Not much is different in modern times, Squeezer. No, fair point. Uh, so uh, then they, they go to... They arrive in uh, France for the unfinished uh, Notre Dame in Paris. And they, use, they learn that the cathedral's use of gargoyles uh, and demons, because the one kid's dressed up like a monster, like with a hunchback, kind of. I don't really talk about the hunchback, and they use uh, the magic to finish the cathedral to climb up into the spire to save Pip. Uh, he's turned into a gargoyle and he's holding the pumpkin. And he flees again. And there's really no context to this except it's like a teaching method. And I'm assuming that's what the book... We read the book when we were in elementary school, but I don't really remember it too well. Uh, and then they, they follow him to Mexico because the last kid is dressed like a skeleton. And they see the the significance of the skeleton for the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead Fest. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they accept, like, sugar uh, skeletons from the old man. They're accepting candy from the old man. And finally, like, Pip's about to die, and his spirit crumbles in the dust, and they tell the children it's uh, Pip did not make it in time, and he's now his property, and he didn't pay his rent, and he's out. Basically, he's dead, and the kids... I'll offer him a, they, they're like the, the, it's the skeleton kid steps up and he's like, you could have a year off the end of my life in exchange for his. And then the other three say, you can have a year in my life. And that's four for one. So he crushes a piece of sugar candy skull with Pip's name on it. And they each eat a piece to seal the bargain. Again, eating candy from strangers to seal bargains. <laughs> the old man. Um, then Pip's spirit revives 
and he snatches the pumpkin back and flies away and the group's transported home and they immediately go back to Pip's house and sees back from the hospital. He comes out from the window and he's hoarse. He's like, hey guys, I, I, I had to have my appendix taken out. It was a close call, but I'm going to be okay. Like, oh, we're so happy. And they're all like crying. And he's like, thanks guys. I'm like, thanks for what? Like, he goes, I had dreams. I was in um, uh, Egypt and, and uh, Paris and England and Mexico just I just want to say thank you assuming that it was all real and then um uh, the the big haunted mansion uh, blows out the pumpkin candle that's on the front thing and the halloween tree uh is is all the pumpkins blow away except for pips and uh which the children rescued by their sacrifice it's actually a, a, a really cool halloween special it doesn't get enough uh significance out there and ray bradbury narrates it it's really cool and leonard nimoy is obviously a voice in it and um and i think it airs on cartoon network still it's a turner property so uh, okay let's see if it's airing this year you could oh, of course run it uh a halloween tree airing 2019 uh it should air just like old christmas episodes but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if it actually would. Oh, shit. TV Guide's still a thing? There are no airings. Like the book? No, the website. There, It doesn't look like oh. there's any airings, but like I said, you could stream it, watch it. Go ahead, the, the Halloween tree. It's a, it's, a, it's a treat, to say the least. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> All right, here's your next pick there, handsome. What is going on down here? Oh, oh, Magellan, I hope this isn't any more of your silly monster talk. Oh, 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 the monster gets behind you. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> oh, oh well. <sighs> Gee, there really is a Mine too. <laughs> uh, we don't get enough Eureka's Castle on this show. Uh, and I'm glad I did. because, And then I went through and I watched a couple more episodes. God damn, this show is good. I love this show. I absolutely did. And I remember, I remember like, uh, Halloween episodes stood out more. And even if they aired at like the regular time, it's like they felt like a treat. No, yeah. And they also... It also give you the opportunity to, like, like I said, change it up or add a new character. In this case, you got the monster. Um, I would say Halloween and Christmas together. Yeah, I, I just I just love being able to like just look. I, I I don't like messing with series per se, but when when you if you have like a regular series and you can take it and have the time to just kind of play around with the characters, that's a good time. And in this case, it added an extra character. You added the monster. And he was very similar to, like, uh, all the Sesame Street, like the the aliens or some of the more sock puppety uh, monsters from Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is just a cool looking creature and he fit in well uh with the eureka's castle cast and uh it, it was one of those things where it, it built and it starts with the story you know eureka's telling everyone a story and magellan uh gets scared because he's you know he and I, I i see where he's coming from he's scaredy pants i get it yeah but then batley has to you know stir shit up and he tells a scarier story and then magellan can't sleep and then there's a monster but there really is a monster and it, it's fun as the episode grows each and each um uh a creature uh comes across the monster and then eventually Magellan's going to try to catch the monster using a peanut butter sandwich. Mm. Like, and of course everyone knows who is going to, you know, you're not going to catch the monster with a peanut butter sandwich mm-hmm. and he doesn't. Instead he gets a uh, bog and quagmire clearly, you know, cause they like their peanut butter sandwiches. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you heard the reveal at the end there where finally Eureka is the last one to discover that the monster is real, and the monster really just wants to read um, Fuzzy um, fuzzy Bunny, where every uh, animal in the story is fuzzy, including my, my favorite character is, uh, or Fluffy, uh, Fluffy the Sea Slug, because um, every animal in this series is fluffy. So I want to see what a Fluffy Sea Slug looks like. Um, Oh, there's also the Batley introduces it with the song um, Scary, Scary Monster. And that's one of those weird little songs that pops into my head every now and then. And uh, it's a fun little tune. Go track this episode down and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then make sure to get it stuck in your head, too. Okay. And enjoy the rest of your day. Oh. Um, yeah. And uh, again, all these, uh, it's uh, the costumes, Eureka's Castle, uh the uh, the puppets and stuff created by uh, Jim Crooka, who is another collaborator of, of course, Jim Henson. Uh, Jim Henson. Um, it, it's like there there is one like all encompassing world. Like there's like if it made it that far, it someone someplace had some kind of contact with Jim Henson. Hell, even fucking Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. I mean, and, and pretty much any puppet today, like, you know, uh, like Frank Oz, uh, you know, is still like, like is involved in, in, in so much. Um, and it, it's just, uh, oh, what was the new, um, did you check out on Netflix, the new series? The Dark Crystal series? Dark Crystal yet? No. I still didn't get a chance to watch it yet. It's on my list. I want to watch it so bad. I'm just, I'm excited to see them. Like it was all just done with puppetry. And I just, there's something so tangible and fun with it. Even if, even if there are moments where it kind of like breaks down and it's not perfect, Mm. you kind of accept that and you enjoy it for what it is. You kind of like, you know, respect the art behind it. And of course this episode, uh, fittingly, but, all episodes of Eureka's Cash Flow are actually written by and produced by uh, one uh, jovial Bob Stein. Right. Why jovial? Uh, that's just the name that he went by. Uh, oh. But it was Eureka's Castle is produced and written by R.L. Stein, actually. Ah. Uh... Yeah, jovial. That was the name that the, the pen name um, for Boom. Eureka's Castle. I didn't realize R.L. Stein did that. You might have said that before on the show, though, didn't you? I don't know. I don't know if I if I brought that up. 
per se, but uh, I don't know. Did I ever really even talk Rika's Castle? I might have brought it up once. You, you brought up the puppets. The, the Pizza Hut puppets. Oh, the Pizza Hut puppets. Okay. Uh, eventually, I want to get in. I want to watch more. Like, I only watched this episode. Um, and then, like, bits and pieces here and there. But I want to go through and, like, I, I want to see. I want to test it on uh, on a, on a, on a audience one? near and dear to me and see how she takes to it. Right. as well, If she takes to it as well as I did. Um, I respect that. But, yeah, I... Uh, I mean, I, I I love the show and I love this episode, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't wait to I was I was going through. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like I didn't quite necessarily remember this one, but I was going through a long list of just I remember that I remember that show I remember that show, and then I came across Eureka's Castle, and immediately everything clicked and kind of fell into place. Right. Uh, but you can find I think I wasn't sure I might have been on Daily Motion or just Google. Uh, Eureka's Castle. Um, it's either um, uh, Nightmare on Magellan Street or um, uh, what was the other working title? Uh, it came from Beneath the Bed. Mm. Yeah, so they, they actually had two uh, two titles for it. Check it out. It's online. It's a fun fun little watch. It's definitely worth it. All right, well, that's a good pick from Mr. Squeezer. You ready for my fourth pick? Oh, I am. Here we go. I can't do this all on my own. No, I know I'm no Superman. I'm no Superman. So <laughs> that's the theme song from Scrubs. And I feel like Scrubs, this episode aired in 2001 or two, So I feel like that's Radier's material, don't you? Yeah. Well, to be fair, it's not on my short list for one reason. I didn't want to bother wasting the ink because I knew you were going to pick it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, oh, I knew right away. Yeah. Oh, I, I actually didn't at first, and then I changed my mind and added it. Oh, I'm glad you did. Yeah, so this was the Big Brother episode where uh, his big brother, played by Tom Cavanaugh, comes to town. And I'll, I, I'm doing this completely without any notes. Nothing in front of me. There's no Wikipedia page. There's nothing open. No wiki, nothing. Uh, that's how much I've rewatched and seen Scrubs. And in this particular episode, like he keeps bragging about his brother and how cool he was. And his brother's like, oh, I'm into, he pisses off Cox right away. And he pretends that he's a doctor um, and that, and he gets in trouble for it. And uh, he, he's into Elliot, but um, like JD's kind of like worried what a loser Dan is, even though he keeps hyping him up. And, uh, like, Tom Cavanaugh's hysterical in all the episodes he appeared as J.D.'s brother. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Turk is, I think, I think his, his story is the one where um, he's getting to know his patients. And Cox is like, you don't want to get to know them. Don't, uh, it, 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 like... Do you want to distance yourself? He's teeing up for that heartbreak moment. Right, and getting pissed off. And one of his patients died, and they invite him to the funeral. And he says, don't go to the funeral. That's not a good idea. But Carla convinces him to go, and when he's there, he forgets the patient's name. And he's eating the food, and they're like, you just came for the food, blah, blah, blah. And he gets all upset. <sighs> you know, and it's a it's a lesson from Cox. You know, he... he He's, he's doling out lessons, old Dr. C. 
You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is season, early season, so lessons are uh, a plenty. So the kids realize that uh, when, by the kids I mean Turk and JD, that sometimes you just gotta, you know, not grow up and um, and and revel in your youth. And they put on their pigs masks for Halloween and they go to the bar and they and they celebrate Halloween. And at the end, they they're in their pigs masks and they're like like trying to eat off the the, the bar. Remember that scene? And everyone in the, I think Carl. Uh, Carla's dressed up like a cat, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Laverne's dressed up like Raggedy Ann. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good, good Halloweenness in this Halloween episode. Scrubs always did like Thanksgiving. They did Christmas really well. Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, Valentine's, they always did. So did like Community. Um, that's that was another possibility for me. The zombie uh, episode of Community, which it, it follows the the um formula that you like where they actually the the bad uh food that he gets for the downtimes or the halloween dance carries a zombie virus and turns everyone into zombies <laughs> they like completely throw away and then suspend disbelief in reality for that episode and have real life zombies yeah yeah, yeah i i i absolutely love that so, I, I just it, it's fun it's you know like i said it's like a playground it's it's not it's it's what Simpsons do the absolute best. Yes, yeah, Simpsons uh, uh, kills it, but uh, mm-hmm. when other shows try it uh, and get it right, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Um, ready for your absolute last pick of the night? Uh, yeah, I got twelve minutes to kill. Okay, here we go. Look, Ren. This looks like a great place to kill 12 minutes. You said it, pal. Oh boy, some hapless victims. I can hardly wait to scare the veins out of them. Watch me put on my most hideous grimace. This might actually be the goriest Halloween special that we'll ever talk about on this show. Mm, could be. Um, they um, although there, this depends what you're watching. If you watch a recording of the original or you watch the DVD, because one of my favorite scenes is actually cut from the DVD. Um, so this is a uh, haunted house. Uh, it's uh, an episode of Ren and Stimpy, and this is one of those ones that aired in November. But it's haunted house, clearly Regardless, a Halloween episode. Right. I'm gonna let this one slide. Um, I love the fact that, like I said, they break the fourth wall and immediately open up the episode with, because there's clearly no reason for Ren and Stimpy to be going into a haunted house. Right. But they got 12 minutes to kill because that's the length of the segment of this episode. So go for it. Right. Also, part of, and there's the reason for breaking the fourth wall was, this episode was originally written for an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, really? And it was supposed to be Go-Go, I believe, as the ghost. Hmm. I don't uh, know. And, and uh, it just, you know how, you know, scripts get pushed around and they need something to work. And like, all right, let's make this a Ren and Stimpy episode. Uh, and the, hence why the, the fourth wall break, and they just kept it in there, because Tiny Toons was synonymous. Right. Synonymous. Synonymous. With, synonymous uh, with breaking that fourth wall. Um, 
Yeah, it's got all the, the basic haunted house gimmicks. You know, it's so they go to a haunted house and there's a ghost that's basically trapped in the house, and it's like his job is to frighten them. Um, so he does everything from uh, just start off with a scary face, and then they come in and slam the door on him. Then he's gonna, you know, uh, uh, possess uh, a uh, a suit of armor, and for some reason, old houses have suits of armor. Um, my grandparents had just like a statue of like a spanish conquistador that kind of freaked me out because they had this whole spanish theme room going for a while it's something they did back in the 60s i guess when they remodeled um but stimpy decides it's cold so he starts a fire in what he thinks is a uh wood burning stove and then you know burns the ghost again uh there's one of my favorite sequences in the entire show where he, the ghost decides that he's going to scare them by disguising himself as a piece of bread and then scare them. But they beat him to it and pull him out instead of the next piece of bread and cover him in peanut butter, uh, marmalade. Okay. Um, powdered toast. Fish eggs. <laughs> no, just fish eggs. Um, which you see the fish eggs land on him, and then in classic Ren and Stimpy fashion, they pull out the reveal that they're squeezing the eggs out of the salmon, and mm. there's a gratuitously long shot of them just wringing uh, roe out of a fish, and then finish it with putting the fish on top as a final ingredient. Ah, that's delicious. Uh, and, then, and then when Stimpy bites into it, um, Ren is disgusted by him that there are starving yaks across the world that would die for a sandwich like this. And a shaven yak shows up. Stampy idiot. <laughs> wow, that was pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, then they give the sandwich to the yak. The yak doesn't like a straight-up sandwich as it is. He likes to tenderize it. So he throws the sandwich with the ghost in it against the fridge and p- proceeds to uh, pummel it with his fists uh, tenderizing and just beating the ghost to death. Well, it's got to be uh, uh, tender. Yeah. It's so beautifully random. I, I think this is where a lot of my sensibilities came from. I <laughs> I realize it now. Is just the, the randomness that I enjoy in life, just the nonsensical shit that I find humorous, and the grotesqueness, it has to be... Like, the only thing that I can pinpoint going that far back that makes any sense is... I was so influenced by Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I think we 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 all were. Like a, a yeah. majority of us were. Just the, the random. The, it it sounds so dumb. Why is there a shaven yak punching a san, a sandwich against a fridge? Why but not? it's funny and it works. The same reason why, and I always go back to this. The house the next Tuesday it made me throw up. Why did a sperm whale vomit on Stimpy? Why not? What, exactly. Well, it made me. Th- it was fantastic. Um, and then, so there was a scene that was cut. Now, there's a little back and forth as to why, but the idea was that um, he didn't like the original. So they came up with the idea of uh, the bloody head fairy. So the ghost right. um, gets a. a, a orders a bloody head and puts on Ren's head, but then, uh, to try to scare them, but then the bloody head fairy shows up, uh, and it looks like Doug Funny. And I guess this was Nickelodeon's doing. And then he takes the head off of Ren's head, puts it on his butt, and giggles as he flies away. 
Oh, and leaving um, a, a stack of dimes in Ren's ear, because that's what bloody fa head fairies do. Right, as they're known to. Yes. Um, I guess he didn't want Doug Funny. Nickelodeon did. He originally wanted uh, George Licker, that old man-looking character, um, to be it. So because of that, uh, when it came time for the DVD release, um, I don't know if it was suggested that they pull this scene because it was it was gruesome. I mean, the ghost pulls out a severed head and there's blood dripping from it. It puts a severed head on Ren's head. Now there's blood running down Ren's head as a severed head is sitting on top of it. Then uh, a cartoonish-looking ghost of Doug Funny puts the severed head on his buttocks and giggles while he flies away. That sounds about right. This aired on Nickelodeon in 1992. Um, a couple times. And then it wasn't until like almost 20 years later, 10 years later, we're like, yeah, we should cut this out. But then the idea was that um, he didn't like having um, Nickelodeon's input anyway, so they cut the scene entirely um, from that episode. I'm disappointed because I love the idea of a Doug Funny-looking ghost with a severed head on his butt. On his butt giggling. Yes, on his butt giggling. Uh and then finally, like so, the ghost gives up, and this leads to possibly the darkest animated scene in all of children's cartoons. Oh, it gets where darker. It gets darker. The ghost, fed up, um, tries to kill himself by driving a stake through his head, hmm. and Stimpy stops him, saying, "No, don't do that." And you're like, oh, "Okay." But then Stimpy offers the ghost poison to kill himself, and then the ghost commits ghost suicide. Ghost suicide. And the ghost dies. Then coming back to life, and then becoming Rudolph the Jazzman, um, which is a very stereotypical, over-the-top, and like naked baby jazzman. Um, almost... Uh, um, anime style black guy that then gets in a convertible and drives off happily ever after. It is a very strange episode. That's uh, well, most of them are, and that's twelve minutes. It's it's exactly twelve minutes. Yeah, it's, nails it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I I don't <laughs> see how this could have. I don't see this working out as... I mean, I'm sure if it was a Tiny Toons Adventure episode, it would have been fantastic. Um, but as a Ren and Stimpy episode, it's one of my favorites. I'd like to see which the what the ghost would look like. Would it be Elmira with the ghost of, like, uh, Dizzy on her butt? Like, his head on... <laughs> Her butt. I, I, I don't know. Oh, 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 I don't know if they if Tiny Toons would have gone all the way with the severed head. Uh, um, or whose severed head. If it was a severed head, it probably would have been Hampton's. Okay, well, that makes sense because he's a scaredy cat. Yeah, he's a scaredy cat. He's unlucky, so it would have been his Hampton's severed head. Uh, who the... Maybe Plucky's. Plucky's the severed head fairy because he can fly a little. Yeah. All right. I would I would think the severed head fairy would be uh, Amira though. Hmm. She she'd squeeze them 
and hug mm. them so hard their head would pop off. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I and there was actually that was on my short list too because there is some great. We're saving it for next year. There's plenty your, to go around. Your short list is like five hundred. My, short, my short list is very long. Very long. Um, yeah, there are some uh, a great Tiny Toons uh, adventure uh, Halloween episodes as well. Okay. Uh, Elmira as Elvira. I mean, it's pretty much it writes itself. It. I mean, yeah. Why not? I mean, I I, I wouldn't personally do. Uh, Elmira as Elvira. I would stay away from that for kids because Elvira was very adult, but <laughs> and used to sell light beer. And used to sell light beer. Well, we just talked about a cartoon that had a you know, that's severed true. Head. Whatever. The, the it's a sliding and suicide. Scale. Right. Okay. The suicide he, angle is more disturbing. My last pick, I guess, is wholesome, but it comes from a time when Disney was pretty. It was a lot more dark. And uh, I've talked about it before, but let's 1985. talk about it more. Here we go. Now it's time for Disney's Halloween Treat. This is the Disney's Halloween treat, which we had on VHS, but we'd often watch it mixed in on uh, the Disney Channel for a Disney Halloween. And it starts out here with a jack-o'-lantern puppet narrating the show. Remember this? I do. Is this, is this uh, the, the dancing skeletons, right? That's how it starts. Yeah, that's a, the silly symphony. A few villains, a few trees. I was only off by three years. It's got um, Huey, Dewey, and Louie uh, in the their Halloween costumes the, with the pumpkin on his head. It's the ghost with the pumpkin. I just got those Funko Pops. Did I send you those? No, I didn't see them yet. Um, they were in my story. The Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Uh, I thought I sent it to you from, from Italy. I ordered them in Italy. What is this, the future? Ooh, Halloween Funko Pops. If you uh, follow us on Instagram, you saw them. I bought them on. Um, I put. I had them in my uh, story. And they're on our table right now in our hallway. They're really cool. Um, they're wearing the costumes. See the pictures just don't do them justice. Uh, that you can find on the. Ah, here they are. I will send them over to you, Mr. Squeezer, so you can let the fans know how cool these Funko Pops are. There you go. They're wearing the costumes, like the ghost with the pumpkin on his head, 
the the witch and the devil. That's from the episode where um, the 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 short where that Donald pranks them by putting firecrackers in their their bags and then mm-hmm. dumps water oh, on their heads. Oh yeah, they, oh they're adorable. And they're so despondent, but Witch Hazel comes over and finds them, and mm-hmm. then she starts fucking with Donald, and they get their revenge on them. Um, but uh, so this I remember we had this on VHS Disney's Halloween Tree, and I watched it a lot. But it was also mixed in on, with the Disney Halloween, which was. Uh, about a half hour, uh, wonderful world of Disney. On, so it, it aired on ABC and it aired on uh, the Disney Channel a lot. And it had Michael Eisner introducing with uh, Mickey and Minnie in like the costumes, you know, talking. Mm-hmm. Remember those old skits from uh, uh, Disney Channel with like with, like the the Disney the Mickey and the Minnie from the the theme park in it, and they'd like dub in the voices. Yeah, I don't know why I love that so much. It's maybe it's because it they felt more. Yeah, it was it was great. Well, it's because you know it's what yeah, we grew yeah. up on. Yeah. Uh, so there's an off-screen narrator, and then there's the magic mirror uh, that's using re-edited uh, footage, uh, and it, it it takes Disney's Halloween tree and mixes it with D- Disney's greatest villains stuff. So it, there's like stuff from Fantasia. There's Madame Mim from Sword in the Stone, which is like Merlin fighting with that like witch and turning each other into animals and stuff mm-hmm. to fight. There's um, the Old Mill Silly Symphony. Uh, there's Donald Duck and the Gorilla. That's a great short. Remember oh, the gorillas yeah. loose in the house? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the Heffalumps and Lo- Woozles nightmare sequence from Winnie the Pooh. That freaked me out yeah, that so was bad. Scary. Then this one scared me the most, Pluto's Judgment. Uh, there was a sequence featuring the Pluto's cartoons where he like chases the cat around and he sleeps and he, he, he gets arrested by cats and taken to cat hell. And the cat judge is like, guilty, guilty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot all about. Hmm. Then there was the C&M from Lady in the Trap. We are Siamese, if you please. dum 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 and then the Magic Mirror uh, had like the villains, so it had like Captain Hook, Edgar Balthazar from the Aristocrats, Willie the Giant, uh, Shere Khan and Ka from the Jungle Book, the Evil Queen from Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, Maleficent, uh, Lady Tremaine, Cruella de Vil, the Queen of Hearts, and Madame Medusa. Uh, and then it, it had the Lonesome Ghosts, that were Mickey, Donald, and Goofy were Ghostbusters, and there was ghosts in the house, and they're like old timey. And then um, they, the Mickey, Donald, and, and Goofy like run, running away and falling into like glue and and flour, and they look like like ghosts, and they scare the ghosts away at the end. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and then the trick or treat uh, one I talked about, where Donald Duck puts the firecrackers and Huey Dewey and Louie's. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's Disney's Halloween treat or Disney Halloween, uh, which is a, a staple of Disney television. You can find most of these in segments on YouTube, so you don't have to search far and wide for them because Disney's never really it, re-released it. Is that going to be on the new stream? Probably not. They have never released it on like hmm. DVD or Blu-ray or anything, so uh, I don't know why. Like That's like classic Disney television. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's our second episode featuring... Um, Halloween specials from television. What'd you think of it, Squeeze? 
Oh, I, I thought it was good. I mean, it could have used a little more MacGyver, but I was holding off since we just did it, you know, two years ago. Yeah. Well, maybe oh, next don't year. Don't worry. Next year, maybe next year I'll put two MacGyver episodes. Are there any MacGyver Thanksgiving or MacGyver Christmas episodes you can go over? I know there's MacGyver. I'm sure there's MacGyver Thanksgiving. Yeah. There's got to be a way. At some point, he cooked a turkey some ridiculous way. I'll look that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if a uh, little business, if you're interested in buying merch, we just added new merch to the store. Uh, we already sold out of our primary turtle green color. That's sold out. The turtle ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pudding pie trucker caps. They're pretty cool, Squeeze. You've seen these, uh, these, these been in the work since the summer. We're finally on sale. Um, the turtle green sold out. The dark green's going fast. So is the gold. Uh, and there's also navy. I'm gonna try and get more colors in, but once a color's gone, uh, it's gone for good. So the tur turtle green is gone. Um, but uh, check out the other colors on radiers.com. There's also pudding pie pins. There's a few radiers t-shirts. I think there's nine t-shirts left. And um, there are no more Squeezer and RK pins left, so. Um, oh no. Yeah, those are gone for good. I think there's there might be variants in the future. But for now, they're Ooh, all gone. Variants. Um, or the uh, foil, hollow foil pins. I was gonna make a, a, a glitter arctini arctini RK, and then like a giant like pin fig version of Squeezer, like a, like a seven inch uh. Squeezer. Like a lawn dart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all we've got for this Halloween episode of the Rad Years Podcast. We will be back next week with uh, yet another Halloween episode, right, Squeeze? Oh, yes, we will. All right. We will talk to you then. That's See ya. okay. Squeezer. Uh, I'm Squeezer. Gonna hit the post. Post.